Hello and welcome to the Green Pole podcast. Today we have another interview for you and I am joined by a lord, a legend and the man who did countless lap of honours of the Craven Cottage Turf, John Pansier. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. All for better for speaking to you. Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to you. Yes, you too. How was your New Year? Yeah, it's been good. It started well. Um, yeah, everything has been great. Fantastic. Do you have many plans for 2023 ahead? Yes, yes, yes. Um, a lot of plans. Um, I'm trying to do my testimonial game this year, if possible, uh, in England. Okay. So I'll be able to uh, celebrate it with my fans in, in, in England. Fantastic. Uh, the clubs that I play in England, Oham supporters, West Ham and Leicester City to interrupt. <laughs> so it's one of the greatest things I want to do in, in the UK this year. Oh, perfect. Well, I, I look forward to that. Um, when it does happen, I'll, um, I'll definitely come along. Um, before we get into your time at Fulham, uh, whilst you were playing, you set up the uh, John Pansil Football Academy. Um, tell us a bit more about that and sort of how long it has been running for now and what you sort of do. Yeah, I think um, it came up when I was playing for Fulham and I saw the facilities in Fulham. I saw the structure, infrastructure and how the systems are being placed in around the club. And I fell in love um, with Fulham, the way they, they manage the club. And it got to me that, okay, you know, as a footballer, you will definitely retire one day. <laughs> so you need to have a plan. Uh, after my career, what am I going to do? And because I'm passionate with the game, I love the football game. So I said to myself, I will have a football club. Um, even not, um, an academy would do. And also I become a, a coach or a manager because uh, Roy Hoxing, was uh, inspired me a lot. He was he was great manager, and I watched the way he was handling the team. I was so so admired. So I put this in head back of my head that after my career I would definitely put up a football club and myself become a coach and become a great manager in future. Perfect. What was uh, Roy Hodgson like to play under? Because um, as a fan, he's uh, he's God. He, he's like a god figure and he was actually at the game against Southampton um, for the George Cohen tribute um, what, yeah, just tell us a bit more about what Roy was like as a man and as a manager yeah I think when I came to England um, I worked under a few coaches, few managers and I think uh, Roy was the only person that uh, brought the best out of me to bring me to the limelight and then Fulham Football Club uh, allowed me and gave me an opportunity to demonstrate what I have and I show my talent to the whole world. Uh, Roy is, uh, like you said, he's a god to many of us, and he has helped many of us in terms of uh, football, uh, football's concern. And he was a disciplined manager. And when it comes first, respect. He has respect for all his uh, players and all his technical men. And he has... Um, uh, self-belief and also believe in, in his players and he always put his players before him and he always put his body on line for us even when we don't perform well he take the blame 
So he was he was a great a great uh, leader in his leadership quality was so fantastic. That's Roy to us. <laughs> I see the smile on your face, John. Yeah, he, uh, he certainly was a character about the looks of things. Um, so you moved to Fulham in a joint deal with Bobby Zamora from West Ham. Uh, did that move was the move dependent on both players agreeing terms, or if one you know, say for example, Bobby Zamora still didn't quite go through, would you still have joined? Um, I don't think uh, if Bobby would have gone through, I would have still had the opportunity in the in Fulham because it was a joint move. Hmm. Uh, we both managed by the same uh, agent. So it came up like, okay, the two of us have to, if Bobby is going, then they have to put me on top because uh, I didn't have enough uh, playing time at, uh, at West Ham and I needed to play and be ready for my, my country as a, a national call-up. Hmm. So it was a great opportunity. Uh, I always thank uh, Roy and then uh, Bay Soccer uh, agents for giving me the opportunity to get to Fulham. Yeah, so yeah, it's true, Bobby Zamora and Roy, that makes me get opportunity to play for Fulham. Fantastic. So you quickly became a fan's favourite uh, and we did witness the lap of honour, which people still talk, talk about to this day. How did that come about? Is that something you always did or is that something that just sort of happened when you moved to Fulham? I- I think um, somebody, I always appreciate little things. And, you know, we footballers, we get paid every month. The supporters pay ticket to come and watch us. We don't give anything to them. What, what we have to give them to enjoy, to give them joy. Performance and also appreciate the attendance. So I always uh, have that at the back of my mind that, yeah, without the fans, we can't go. With the fans, we can go higher, more higher. And seeing them coming in their numbers every week and week, it's, it's amazing. Even when we travel for uh, Europa Cup in the flight, they are full, supporting us everywhere. So it's something that shouldn't be difficult for any player to to do it for their fans or appreciate their fans. So Lap of Honor was, was like a favorite thing that I always have to give to the fans. And they also appreciate anytime I, I, I does it. So um, it's it's that the love bond that uh, I have with the Fulham fans, and it's forever. <laughs> always, John. Always. Uh, so your first full season at the club, uh, we recorded our highest ever top like top flight finish in seventh. Um, how special was that season, and what made that team so successful? Yes, it was a very special uh, season for us. I think we were top seven. Um, that's the highest position ever. Mm-hmm. And we had great players. And like I said, we have a great manager, great incumbent. And uh, also, we have the locker room, uh, the doctors, and the secretary, the club owner, Alfred, was there for us comes to dressing room to talk to us before the match and after the match. So it's like a collective uh, team that we had at that time. Um, respect was there, dedication, punctuality, timing, professionalism. Everything was accurate. 
and we worked so hard and there was a competition in the team and no one has a permanent position. If you leave your position, someone else will take it. So it was it was great and it was a powerful moment that no player can make a joke around the club. It was strictly professional, professionalism and strictly uh, abide the rules and regulation in the club. And also the supporters play million percent key uh, for us going forward. So 2008-2009 season, it was amazing. And before then, the club has survived from the relegation. So the feeling was there, the momentum was also there. And the new players that came, every player that came was a captain from their team. So Roy did well for putting, like I would say, we were Galacticos with the small names. <laughs> so... <laughs> Coming together, I think uh, it was it was a great deal, and we did demonstrate it well. Yeah, Roy Hodgson came in in December, uh, the season the year before, and miraculously he kept us up. He signed uh, Breda Hangeland, uh, Andreas, and and well, all he did was he just shored everything up, and then he managed to keep us up on the final day against Portsmouth. Danny Murphy with the header, who shouldn't have been playing, I think he said in his uh, post match interview. Uh, and then he made the signings in the summer with yourself, Bobby, uh, Andy Johnson. And then we just went from strength to strength. Uh, and as I said, we finished seventh. So the season after is probably the best season that I can remember. Um, talk to us about the Europa League run. Uh, the final in Hamburg still haunts me. I can't watch the final back. Uh, I've never been able to, and I don't think I ever will. So what was your memories about the European nights at the cottage? I think the European uh, Cup, uh, the road to the build-up was it was a very long one. Mm. And nobody thought Fulham would be in the final because we were like underdog to every every team in that competition because they think that we cannot do anything. We are only coming to participate. So even the qualification, we play with the small clubs in, in Europe and it's difficult uh, conditions that it, you find it hard to, to beat those teams. But we did that. We played many, many uh, matches, a lot of games, before we got to the quarterfinal with uh, Juventus. And then home and away, we demonstrated. Hamburg came home and away, we demonstrated. And then to the final, then we got Atletico Madrid. And myself was injured, so I was in the bench. But we had, a, like I said, we had a solid team that every player would be ready to represent the, the club. So um, I would say um, Roy Hawkson and his technical men did so well, uh, how they managed the team, and also the support from Afayed, the former chairman, the president, and also Darren Preston and his, his, uh, his team supporting very, very well, and we reached the final. So I think, like I would say, collectively, we were, we were on fire at that year, uh, to 2009, and playing the league matches, combined the FA Cup, and uh, many, many cups around, but we were still able to play to the final. Because I think we played, I think it was 63 games that season. Started in July, 
I think it was against FK Vetra uh, yep. in Lithuania. 64, 63 to 64 matches in 2009. Hmm. It was huge for for players. So, like, um, if we're able to do that, we should count ourselves lucky and then uh, say that, yeah, we had that um, momentum and that condition to to go through all those matches. Hmm. I, th- I still think to this day we're the only British club that's unbeaten at home in European competition. Um, and some of those games, I remember Shakhtar Donetsk coming to the cottage and, you know, they're still probably one of the best teams I've ever seen play at the cottage. Um, you know, even sort of 14 years ago. Um, and then Bobby Zamora just pulls out a wonder strike from nowhere. Um, w- would you say Shakhtar was probably the toughest game throughout that run? Um, or is there a game that sort of sticks in your your memory? Yeah, every game for for us, every game was was tough. We mm-hmm. we don't consider matches. We don't uh, believe there's a small game. We don't believe there was a, a hard game. But we believe that every game is a must-win game for we the players and then the Fulham Football Club. So we always go and put up our best and put a fight and make sure that at the end of the day, we follow what the manager is asking us to do on the field. Because when we listen to Roy and we does what he wants us to do on the field, we always come successful. So I think all the matches, including the qualification, the small teams we played, it was a tough one. Especially when you are playing a team that nobody knows in that condition. Uh, like we went to Bulgaria and it's it wasn't easy. The condition wasn't that present, but we knew what we we're looking for. And mm-hmm. then we fought so hard and then we came up successful. So, yeah, I think all the matches was great. It was tough. But, yeah, but the, the goal that Bobby Zamora, the turning goal that put us to the final was amazing. That one was a game that people thought a lot of clubs were thinking that that was the end of Fulham. But mm-hmm. we, we turned this around. <laughs> yeah, because Shakhtar were the holders at the time as well, weren't they? Um, and that that semi final against Hamburg at the Cottage, uh, it was Simon Davies and Zoltan Gira. That again, it's so many memories from that one season. Uh, so I, I personally want to thank you for giving me those memories, and I'm sure a lot of fans would want to do the same. Um, but it's. I think it was clear to see the reason for our success. Well, one of the main reasons was we had such a good defence with a solid goalkeeper. So you played alongside Breda Hangeland, Aaron Hughes, uh, Paul Konczewski and Mark Schwarzer. Just how pivotal were they to the success? Yeah, I think uh, you see these names that you've mentioned. They are the top dogs. Top <laughs> dogs. Uh, like they always believe what is ahead, what we want. We We were like uh, brothers we were from different mothers but we were brothers we unite we were united the respect was there and like i can close my eye and i'll see where Bobo Z- bobby zamora is i can close my eye and i see where brother hangalan is my my uh Aaron hughes where he is paul koncheski daddy danny murphy demi daffa uh, andy johnson and also Sam Davis. Hmm. So you see, and then uh, Machuata being in the pool, he commands at the back. 
So we, we were we were leaders. These are the people that I think when when they when they come to football games trying to be managers, they will be able to do uh, it very very well because they understand the game and they always know what is at stake on the field and when to bite and when to defend, when to attack and when to recover. So we were we were uh, I don't know how to say. It. <laughs> The, the, the team were massive. Those names, like I said, they were big dogs. <laughs> yeah, you, along the lines of Dempsey, Atuhu and Greening, the whole squad. I think from an outsider's, outsider's point of view is you look at Hodgson, you look at Lewington and they seem to get the best out of players. Um, and I think it takes a special manager to do that. Um, yeah, it takes, it, takes, it takes a strong manager... Who, who have tested the water, who has this great experience, knowing perfectly that the, the players that he's having have limited names. They don't have big names in the world that uh, when Ronaldo them was playing, when Rooney, you called Drogba, Makisi and them, we didn't have those names. But we were Galacticos with the small names, but it takes a great manager like Roy Hoxin to to put up that that fight and put fears in a lot of uh, clubs, because looking at that season, I think uh, I remember we trashed uh, Manchester United for at home, and mm. then Liverpool came. They they also got it. I think the team that disturbed us was uh, Chelsea. Uh, so yeah, it is a great manager. And yes, you did mention um, Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey, like he was like a lion to me. Uh, he he bite. He's a he's a striker. If you don't score, if you don't score, don't go to him. <laughs> yes, if Clint Dempsey don't score a goal, don't go to him because he always wants to win. He always wants to score. Mm. He has a great character, fighting spirit, and like uh, I I always call him my brother from another mother because <laughs> we both have uh, like knife the front and back and cuts. So yeah, Clint Dempsey, um, Dixon Etuhun, this these boys were also great, great players. Adding up to the few I mentioned. Yeah, that again, the whole squad. You know, I think I've been going since the early nineties. So that squad in particular that you've mentioned, I don't think you can ever forget a single player from it because it did create so many memories and the whole world stopped. I think when we played Atletico. Um, so it was and. I suppose as a fan, one of the biggest things for me was we went into that final with a few injuries. Yourself, I think Zamora wasn't fully fit. Uh, Duff wasn't fully fit. And you know, during extra time, we're sitting there and we're going, right, we're going to win this on penalties. We've got Schwarzer in goal who, you know, he'll save a few. Um, and then obviously, Forlan. I shouldn't say his name on the podcast, but I think it's uh, only right we talk about it. Do you, do you remember the feeling once that final whistle went? And sort of the next sort of hour or two after in the in the dressing room, how important were people like Danny Murphy in that instance? Because you know he was experienced; he'd been there before. Um, do you remember much of that sort of time? Danny Danny Murphy Danny Murphy Danny Murphy was a great leader, uh, tremendous uh, captain, and he speaks very well for all the players. He, he leads us and he manages. The, the dressing room very well. Um, you don't see, you don't hear any Higgs bags. 
uh, all the time he gives us the right program because he have to be close to the manager and then anytime he's speaking we know that he's speaking through the manager and we we heard his voice as a roy and his leadership quality uh, you cannot question about and then and his work rate was always outstanding and he worked so hard he dropped he goes like a box to box coming and going up and when he sees opportunity he takes it and after the final i think uh, spoke well in the dressing room like come on guys we've done well coming all the way here like you mentioned there was a few injuries and all if not because of injuries that silenced some of us, I don't think that trophy would have gone to Spain to Atletico Madrid. We would have grabbed it because um, we were having an upper hand to win it. But injuries caused all that. But yeah, Danny Murphy, he was fantastic uh, captain. Hmm. Yeah, I think Atletico Madrid are probably one of the only teams that never won a knockout game in 90 minutes. I think, I'm pretty sure that's a record I heard from when they come out of the Champions League into the Europa League, they won every game pretty much an extra time. Um, again, which is even more frustrating, but you look at that Atletico Madrid team now, they had uh, Aguero, De Gea, um, Forlan, and a few other massive names. And then you've got, in brackets, a little old Fulham turning up on the, the biggest stage and probably over the course of 115 minutes, where we slightly edged it, especially that second half. Uh, I thought we were going to go on and win it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a tough one to take coming in from Germany. <laughs> um, one thing I, I want to ask you about is uh, you, there was an incident with Peter Crouch. Now, I have to ask it because he talks about it on near enough every podcast he does. Um, do you know what I'm talking about in terms of the, uh, the, the altercation on the, on the pitch? I think he played for Spurs at the time. Um, I'm just wondering if you have any words to, to to comment on that sort of that game in particular, if you remember it, of course. Yeah, yeah, I remember Peter Kratz, Um, I think you know this is a football thing, and when you are playing, a lot of things happen on the field. But you know, after the 90 minutes, everything goes because he wants to win for his team. I wanted to also win for my team. And uh, during the game, I think um, he mistakenly hit my head with his elbow, uh, not, I think, uh, not deliberately. He didn't do it in purpose, but I think it was a mistake. But when I approached him to be careful, uh, he gave me some ways that I wasn't uh, happy with that. And I, I, was, I was very, very angry at that time. <laughs> so I, I told him I'm going to finish him. And then he, he thought I was joking. So he said, I can't, I cannot do anything. So he started giving me those words, you know, like he was provoking me. Mm. And, you know, Brother Hangan and then Hughes and then Paul Koncheski, they know when I lose it, what I do. <laughs> yeah, because I will come for you and the ball and you might not play again. So <laughs> when I said that to him, I saw that he got scared, but he wanted to prove that he's, he's strong. So he went to the left side and I followed him. Then I went to kick him <laughs> and I came back to my position. And then there was a yellow card that was given to me. Then I relaxed. Okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm okay because I've given him what I want. 
So he got scared. He couldn't come to my position again. Now he was walking around Paul Koncheski's side instead of coming to my side. But yeah, it's, it's sometimes, you know, beginning is hot, but now we are grown up. And then when you look at it, it's, it makes you laugh. And when I watch his video, I laugh about it. It was all over Ghana. Uh, all the medias were discussing and interviewing me about it. But Peter Clutch was, uh, was a great guy. I watched him before I even joined uh, West Ham at that time. My first match, I think my second match against Liverpool, when he was playing for Liverpool, we had a good co uh, co communication on the field, but I think he forgot. Um, he was tall. I was like, some short man looking at him up. I said, how am I going to jump with this guy? <laughs> so I remember I jumped with him and my head went inside his jersey. I couldn't see anything because he didn't jump. Because he's tall, I jumped so high, this guy was standing and he won the ball. And then I find myself inside his jersey. <laughs> so I came and I said, this guy is huge. <laughs> he's tall. But he's a, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He don't talk much. You don't see him. It's 12 hours. You don't see him like uh, many players go out. Their news is out there. Uh, he's, he's a player I admire. He's a great guy with a great mm. character. It's just when he tells us, when I first heard the story, he said, uh, John Pansy was following me all around the pitch. I thought, he, he was playing under Hodgson. I, I can't imagine him sort of marking you at centre-back and then left-back. You know, he, he was staying in a right-back position. But now it's a, a story which always made me laugh. And now I've had the privilege to speak to you. I wanted to ask you that question. So thank you for answering that. Um, so you did have a, a really good career, um, a club level and at international level, playing for Ghana many times. Um, if you had to pick one highlight from your career, uh, what would that be? And why? I think uh, that would be uh, Fulham, the Europa Cup, and was when we reached the final. Hmm. And then the second one would be 2010 World Cup when Ghana reached quarterfinal. That's yeah. my most highlight moment in my career. Yeah, that 2010 World Cup was obviously highlighted by uh, Suarez. Um, with a uh, deliberate handball. Yeah. Do you remember much of that game? I suppose, again, it's one of those moments in your career that you sort of look back on and go, ah, what could have been? Well, what should have been more like? I think it's one of the games that um, makes some of us uh, retire early from football because it was, it was very difficult. Even when I returned to Fulham, I wasn't with myself. Uh, if a couple of people believe and remember, I was scoring a lot of own goals mm. uh, when at the same time I was chasing renewal of my contract for Fulham and it wasn't coming and coming from 2010 World Cup when Suarez picked his hand, denying us from going to the semi-final. I mean, going to final, semi-final and final, I think would have put some of us in a better position like the clubs will be changing us and all. So it's it's a moment that uh, I always feel sad when I remember it. Uh, mm. Most of us, it kills our, our spirit from going forward playing football and affected our performance as well. So I'll say, yeah, 2010 World Cup, a game against Uruguay. It was a game I will never forget in my life.
And the game in Qatar when both teams met again, do you think the, the current squad would have played that game on raw emotion because of what happened in 2010? Um, or does that not really matter too much to, not in the sense that it doesn't matter, but it's a totally different game now? Yeah, yeah, because from 2010 to 2022, it's a huge um, years. Yeah, because even one year is not easy to come by. Um, seeing the new generation, I think the day I you was the only person who was in present at that moment, 2010. Uh, even he he missed that game. He didn't play because he was on two yellow cards. So it was his first time playing against Uruguay at that moment. But we have a different generation, different players, youngsters who have not tasted water before and the word of uh, revenge revenge also got to some of them because they are youngsters they don't have they have never never uh, faced that uh, heat before so i believe going forward in the next four years in the next three years these boys will be matured to understand when uh, heat games like this how they take it and then how going how they'll go forward with the ball and thinking about because there's no revenge in football and if you are putting pressure on yourself it will be difficult for you to play you just have to go you have your talent you have your player you have your skills you just have to use it and then go abide the coach instructions and then you will perform but not to think about the the history between the two teams once you start thinking about the history then you're not playing football and then you'll be playing for other things. So I think this is what um, most happened to the, the boys and I believe going forward they will learn their lesson. Are you excited about the future of Ghanaian football, um, especially the national team? And is there any more John Pan Seals flying around that you know we need we need a, a right back or we're going to need a right back fairly soon, I think. So is there anyone we've got to keep an eye on? I think I saw Tarek Lamte. Hmm. Tarek likes to go forward and come back um, what left him is one-on-one uh, -on -one defending, uh, stopping the crossing, not to allow uh, the wingers to bring crossing into the box. That's what he only that left for him to work on. Mm -hmm. But going forward is very good at going forward. Very good. He has a good crossing, uh, good technical abilities. His footwork, passing is good. So I've seen Tariq if they, they will give him a, a lot of opportunity, a lot of time to play, I think he will be the next John Bainzo. Because <laughs> he, he also started uh, down the road from, from us and he uh, played for Chelsea. That's where he came through and went on loan to Brighton and has now made a success of himself. And yeah, every time you see him play, you just think, wow, he's got pace to burn. He just looks really exciting. Um, he's got pace. He's very fast. Probably not as quick as you, though, John. <laughs> yeah, I was fast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I, I want to ask you uh, is when Roy Hodgson left, uh, so he left and then you returned from the World Cup, um, then Mark Hughes took over. Uh, what was that season under Mark Hughes like? Um, because as a fan, the football was exciting, but he was only there for a season. He wasn't very complimentary of the club when he left. 
um, which is why we have this ambition thing, if you like, with him. What was he like as a manager compared to what Roy Hodgson was like? Um, between Roy and Mike Hughes, there's a, a huge difference um, in terms of knowing the culture of the club. I think uh, Roy knew the culture of the club, Fulham Football Club, more than uh, Mike Hughes when he came. Mike Hughes came and wanted to change a lot of things, how the club plays and all. And I think, yeah, I believe that every manager has his own philosophy and how he wants to, he wants his teams to play. But I think if he would have followed the, the, the trend and the philosophy of the club, things would have been better than, than that. But in his first season, he, I think he pushed and he's tried to change players around like myself. He wasn't giving me the opportunity like Roy did. But I understand that every every coach has his own eye. And then if the player is not fair to his system, he might not use him. So for me, Fulham, Fulham was Roy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fulham was Roy. Max, you didn't get more time to know how the system in Fulham is. So I think it goes to the time it was changing things around and then the more you change things, the more critical it becomes. You destroy the thing. So for me, he's a great manager. He's a good manager. I also learned a few things uh, from him in terms of uh, managing or coaching uh, wise and all. But the, the difference between him and Roy is, is huge. Roy knows in and out at Fulham. But I would say Mike Hughes uh, would have get, make a time, more time to to get to where Roy got the team to. Because hmm. under Mark Hughes, we brought in uh, Moussa Dembele. Um, what was he like? Dembele was was a strong boy, was a <laughs> strong player in the middle. Uh, once the ball gets to his left, no one can take it from. <laughs> That is that is that is the different like uh, um, the difference I'm saying I'm talking about because under Roy you will not have a player who who carry the ball and keep the ball for more than uh, one minute before releasing the ball hmm. because football is about movement speed that is that is what carry us uh, under Roy to the Europa final so like I said see Mike Hughes like players who have the flair who wants to dribble, who wants to entertain. But Roy wants the results. So there's a difference between the two, the two of them. Dembele was a very good player. Don't forget about He can keep the ball. And when he's coming forward, either you foul him or you allow him to go and score. <laughs> so you see the difference. And mm. our time, we have uh, Danny Murphy, who makes the game simple. Mm. Uh, one pass can beat three players, get to Zamora, but Zamora won't take much time on it and the Johnson won't take much time on it, then he'll bang the goal. So now we can see the the, the difference between the two managers. Yeah. And football's ultimately a results business, isn't it? Yeah. It's about results. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I like to do on the podcast is, especially when I speak to ex-pros, is ask you five quick questions, well, quick fire questions, but they're never quick. So don't worry. Um, that's not really football related. Um, just to get to know you as a person. Um, so 
The first one is, who did you support growing up? As a football team? Yeah. I was supporting my own team. And they are? Uh, that was uh, Brekum Asnas. Okay. Uh, question two, who was your sporting hero growing up? That was uh, Roy, Roy Keane. Roy Keane? Yeah. He used to play for Manchester United. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very hard man. <laughs> hard man yeah. <laughs> that's why I was hard. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you got your, uh, your nasty streak from, was it, John? From uh, yes. watching Roy Keane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could invite three people from di- uh, for dinner from all walks of life, uh, whether, whether they're dead or alive. Who would you choose? Uh, Roy Hoxson. Um, Brother Hangerland and Husey. Husey. <laughs> to be fair, that's a great dinner lineup. Um, if you ever do it and there's a spare seat, feel free to uh, to give me a call, John. <laughs> <laughs> What's your um, favorite holiday destination? London. London. What's it about London? Is it just happy memories or you just like the, the, the feeling of the city? Yeah, happy, happy, um, happy memories. And also, uh, I learn more uh, when it comes to discipline and respect. Hmm. Yeah. And finally, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Superpower. Yeah. Like become a great uh, football manager. Okay. Because Fantastic. I have a, I have experience. <laughs> Are you still hoping to uh, achieve that? Or yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm doing my uh, my badges. I'm done with the Europa B. So I'm about to do the Europa A. And um, I want to bring my my coaching badge to England or Fulham hmm. to to see if I can start with the academy or the young the the youth side to polish uh, my badge. Fantastic. Well, I hope that all goes to plan for you and works out really well. Um, but before I let you go, uh, have you watched Fulham much since you've left, especially this season? Um, and if you have, what have you made of the season we're having so far? I've been watching all the matches. And I think we we started a bit sloppy. But now the team is on fire. Hmm. In terms of believing what they want. And I see when they are going forward, it looks very dangerous when they are going forward. And with the defence, defence, they need to do more they can do more at defense but going forward as a, an attacking turf they look very sharp and dangerous and then i believe that i will not be surprised that uh, uh fuham can reach uh, top seven top six if they continue the this good uh, run because they're doing well i've wow. seen them a team with the condition they have they are fit and they can stand throughout the 100 and 15 minutes so a team like this can go far they only need to keep fighting 
and push. And of course, I believe the fans are always there. And I believe Fulham supporters, are, they don't give up. <laughs> no, it's a um, stand up if you still believe chant, which I'm sure you would have heard against Hamburg. Uh, yeah. Again, we keep coming back to that Europa League season, but it just, you know, it's just so many happy memories. It's something that all of us cannot forget about that. Uh, that, that, that build up, that ending of the Europa Cup, nobody. We, we, it will still be the, the, the good memories in our hearts. Oh, yes, for sure. Um, do you have any plans of visiting the, the cottage anytime soon? Yes, yes. Like I said, I'm planning to to do my testimonial game in London. Mm. So uh, I and my team are looking forward to to have a a, a venue uh, as soon as possible, and then we will start because I want to do this uh, under most of my my fans in England, especially Fulham supporters, and I believe that they will come and grace my my retirement. Uh, uh, ceremony and I want to enjoy with them. So first of all, I'll use this opportunity to let the fans, the uh, Fulham fans know that I'm trying to put up these events and then hoping and believing that all of them will come and support me. Of course. Well, let's hope it's at Craven Cottage and we'll get a packed out Craven Cottage to see you do more than one lap of honour. Um, you know, you wore the number four, so it'd be only fitting that you could do a four lap of honours um, before and after. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I'm hoping to watch on the, I think on the 8th, Fulham versus uh, West Ham. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the game I want to come and watch. So definitely in April 8th, I'll be in London to watch Fulham. That's the day, day after my birthday, John, as well. So uh, if I see you, I'll happily buy you uh, more than one yeah. beer. Put it that way. <laughs> but look, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to a, a legend, a player that I admired, especially through your time at Fulham. So thank you for giving us your time. Um, and if you have any last lasting words for the Fulham fans that are listening, please feel free to take it away. All right. Um, greetings from John Pinto, all the way from Ghana to Fulham fans. I admire you guys. I love you guys. And I still have all of you on my chest. And I believe we'll meet very soon uh, to interrupt, take pictures, and more lap of honors. <laughs> and even now, sitting here, I'm doing one lap of honor, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to all, raise the arms, John. Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> all of you my hands are up lap of honor i love you all so enjoy your new year and i believe this new year will be everyone's year and to all the Fulham management uh darren piston and his, his team and the, the chairman uh magmonos magmonos greetings from john Pinto. happy new year to all the players in, in Fulham, I wish you well. You are doing very well this season and we are supporting you guys all the way. God bless you. Greetings from Ghana, John Painter. <laughs>